Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Chris Chimes is made possible with the support of Pratt & Whitney, whose GTF engines are redefining aviation. Learn more at pwgtf.com. TA Connections, the industry's most comprehensive airline lodging and crew logistics program. taconnections.com. Clear, a leader in touchless travel. Learn more at clearme.com slash airlines. And Seabury Capital Group, global reach, global scale. seaburycapital.com. We also welcome your business's support. Info at airlinesconfidential.com. Hey there, loyal listeners. Welcome to Airlines Confidential. I'm Chris Chimes, along with Ben Baldanza, and we've got another busy week in aviation. And Ben, I think you took an Airlines Confidential road trip or more maybe like an air trip? Hey, Chris. Yes, I spent some time this week at Aviation Week's MRO Americas Conference in Orlando. I saw some old friends and made some new friends. We had some great conversations, and I think our listeners will benefit from all that with some great guests and discussions over the coming weeks and months. Until then, Chris, let's get started on the news. You got it, Ben. Uh, first up, airline earnings in the U.S. Uh, after Delta reported the week before, American Southwest and United reported Q4 results this past week, rounding out the big four American carriers. Ben, what were the highlights and, if you will, the blinking lights of their results? Well, that's a good way to say that. I think the most interesting sort of narrative was Southwest sort of pointing out the fact that they were profitable because of taxpayer money. That was just a real interesting way to say that to me. I'm not sure sort of how people reacted that overall. I sort of reacted as well. Maybe you shouldn't have gotten that taxpayer money then. Right. I'm not sure. But it's um, that was just an interesting way to sort of characterize their quarter, which was interesting. Otherwise, you know, they their quarter and United's and Delta's and American all kind of looked the same to me in that they sort of sent this message that there's optimism about the future, that we feel good about capacity going into the summer. We feel good about leisure bookings. We see some kind of recovery. The bigger airlines, not I mean, Southwest is big, but the I should say the more global airlines, the Delta American United, all sort of downplayed international and sort of all suggested that that was a, lo a longer recovery cycle and it was going to take longer to get long haul business travel back, especially. But all of them sort of had this, well, we didn't make money, but things are getting better kind of tonality to their discussions. And I think that's a fair way to look at the industry right now. The industry is getting better, but they're far from out of the woods. I think that's the right way to sort of characterize all the earnings we've seen so far. General positive view around summer leisure bookings, although I certainly have concerns, some concerns about that, as we talked about last week, around just, you know, rental car availability and will restaurants have enough people working yeah. at them. But it really seems that the uncertainty of the return of the business traveler domestically and especially long haul internationally is still the dark cloud hanging over the industry. Yeah, I kind of uh, characterized it as baby bullish, uh, maybe kind of calfish or something. But 
I kind of scratched my head at the Southwest characterization as well. My guess is, you know, accounting and financial rules required them to classify that that way. And I think if you recall, probably last quarter, Doug Parker made some reference to the federal aid and their earnings call in some kind of unusual way. So it has to be recognized. I'm not sure I'd call it out in the context of it, it turned us in, into a profitable airline. But yeah, I think people are optimistic. Planes are getting fuller. People want to travel. It's just going to be, you know, where does this pandemic go at this upcoming crossroads as more people get vaccinated and uh, things open up? Uh, where's it going to go? Bloomberg was pretty bullish. They had a story this past week about a much more optimistic outlook on business travel. So we'll have to watch that uh, moving forward. Uh, then, Ben, uh, this week's show debuts on Wednesday, April 28th, which is also the launch date for the newest airline in the U.S., low-cost airline Avalo. Its maiden flight is from Burbank to Santa Rosa. It seems like each week for the last month or so, we've taken email questions asking, what do you think about Avalo and why haven't you talked about Avalo? And, uh, listeners, we're not ignoring your questions. We were just waiting for the right time. So today's the right time. And Ben, what do you think? Well, first, thanks for telling me how to pronounce it, because in my head, I've always been saying Avalo. <laughs> but well, I, bet I, 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 took a, I took a guess on that. I couldn't find a pronunciation guide online. So <laughs> It could be a tomato, tomato thing, right? That's right? I'm excited about this in that it's great to have a new airline in the U.S., of course. More competition is good for the industry. But especially because Andrew Levy, the head of Avalo, is a good guy and he started this airline after being the president of Legion and then being the chief financial officer at United Airlines for a little while. So he understands the industry well. They put out this schedule all based at Burbank with flights on an Allegiant kind of schedule, meaning not every day of the week, but getting utilization out of the planes by using them for multiple different cities four days here, three days there kind of thing. So that's very Allegiant-like. I'm sure they're going to be very low cost. Andrew's been a customer-centric kind of person, so I bet they're going to be within the unbundled structure, going to be a decent airline to fly. And they're going to shake things up on the West Coast a little bit, right? But they're going to have a lot of competition. We've already seen Alaska Airlines start flying some of the exact same routes, saying, hey, this is our territory. Southwest is big out there. Frontier's big out there, right? So they're they're playing in a space that has a lot of low fares and a lot of pretty well structured lower fare airlines. So it's it's great for the industry. It's especially great after the last year the industry has that there can be this sort of bright spot on the horizon of a new airline when the industry's not even out of COVID yet. So that's my thinkings. I you know I, I wish them well, obviously. Yeah, I saw their. They were starting fares from Burbank to Santa Rosa for $19, I think. And I still remember my first flight on PSA from Fresno to San Francisco was $11. So I'm thinking we haven't come very far in 40 plus years, but we'll be watching them and wishing them well. It's amazing you remember the fare you paid on that flight. I, I do remember very clearly because I was about 12 years old and we'd never been on a plane. And so we got to fly one way and my dad drove up and picked us up. So that's, oh, all, we could, that's all we could afford. <laughs> Airlines Confidential is brought to you by TA Connections. Travel Alliance and Hotel Connections have come together to become TA Connections, paving the way for a new chapter in crew logistics management. Learn more about TA Connections 
at taconnections.com. That's taconnections.com, a fleet core company, the world's leading provider of technology and services for crew and passenger logistics management. Ben, uh, the ripple effect of the pandemic keeps showing up in various aviation metrics. Last week, the Airports Council International released their preliminary global results for airport passenger and cargo traffic. And for the first time in 22 years, Atlanta Hartsfield International is not the world's busiest passenger airport. It's been dislodged by Guangzhou International Airport in southern China. We know geeks love data, so did you geek out on these tables and see anything else of interest? <laughs> well, I, I did geek out on these tables when I saw that and and looked at sort of the world busiest airport list. And I had a couple things to think about that. One, we knew this was going to happen at some point, that China is bigger than the U.S. in terms of people, of course, a lot bigger, and their economy is growing. China as an overall market is now bigger than the U.S. as an overall market for aviation. I think that's a temporary thing in that they're largely back from the pandemic flying almost, I think they're probably almost at 100%, if not at 100% of what they were before the pandemic. And in the U.S., we're still way behind that. So I thought that the U.S. is probably going to, for some period of time, maybe get bigger again than all of China. But eventually, China is going to be bigger and be bigger forever, I think. right? There's just too many people there and the economy is just too large. Now, having one airport be bigger than Atlanta was surprising to me. And I thought that that was probably mostly just related to the pandemic. My guess is that Atlanta will probably come back as the biggest airport at some point, even if when China is bigger. But it's not going to stay there forever. China's big. It's going to get bigger. Another thing I saw, other data I saw this week, Chris, was from Bain, who puts out their own forecasts of how aviation is recovering. And they have four different scenarios they look at, you know, from the most aggressive to the most pessimistic. But by 2023, I think it is, they show every sort of continent or country's expected capacity compared to 2019. And for the U.S., they have the U.S. at 79%, meaning the U.S. will be 79% of the of 2019 in 2023. But they have China at 104 or 105%. So even they're saying that China's growing at a faster rate and is as big or starting. So all of that says this is great data for airline geeks to look at. Whether Guangzhou is going to stay the largest airport and be head of Atlanta forever, I'm not sure. But eventually, China is going to be bigger than the U.S. And there might be one or two airports in China that are bigger than our biggest airports at some point. Yeah, I was struck by you know, the top 10 airports. There were three U.S. airports in there, Denver, Dallas, and Dallas-Fort Worth, and Atlanta. And then the other seven were Chinese, which just underscores the power of the domestic market, especially when you look at then the top 10 international airports, and there wasn't one Chinese airport on there. So it's clearly a powerful domestic market that is going to just keep growing. Well, that's exactly right. Chris, one last news item for you. As we head into May, the U.S. federal government's mask mandate for airlines and aircraft is set to expire on May 11th. At first glance, it looks like a no-brainer to extend it, but any thoughts to share on that? Uh, I agree it's a no-brainer. I, I would like to think that 
the administration and CDC and TSA slash FAA, DOT, whoever has their their hands on this are, are moving quickly. There's no reason to wait till May 9th or 10th to to extend this. We're just not at herd immunity yet. I think mask wearing continues to give people a sense of health safety and security while traveling on a plane. So I think it would be good for for the airline business to continue this for a while. Um, and certainly cabin crews and and gate agents and others and airport personnel would much prefer a, a blanket consistent policy that they can point to. So I think it's um, likely to be extended. I hope they do it quickly and just move on. I agree, Chris. And, you know, back when most airlines in the U.S., not all, but many airlines in the U.S. were blocking middle seats, Delta was the last holdout on that, if you remember. But when they were doing that, there was a sense that that was a temporary thing. And you knew that it had some expense for the airline, right? There were clearly some flights, at least, where they could have sold those seats and they were blocking them. And you knew that would go away. But there was also a sense that this isn't really social distancing, but it makes sense because everybody's just more comfortable and getting more people comfortable with flying again is the bigger objective. And now that that's gone, we have this mask thing and whether or not you're vaccinated or not, or whether you, or what, whatever your views are how masks are, there's no question to me that people are gonna be more comfortable getting on a plane, seeing people with masks. Most people are. And this industry is still way behind in terms of people willing to buy tickets and start flying again. So we just shouldn't do anything to set that back. That's the most important point to this whole thing. And you said that. I agree. I agree with you, Ben. And if our listeners will indulge me uh, talking about cruising on an airline podcast one more time, I I wouldn't want to be the CDC explaining to the cruise business why they can't operate while meanwhile they lifted the mask policy on airlines. So um, yeah, I, I think all the signs point to masks continuing on through the summer. Well, Chris, I'm just one person, but I, I like when you talk about the cruise business because they're clearly related to the airline business. A certain amount of airline travel that needs to come back is flying people into cruise ports to meet your ships, right? So the reality is when this industry is back and when the economy is back, there'll be lots of airplanes flying and lots of ships cruising. So until both of those things are true, we're not really fully back. We'll be right back with more Airlines Confidential, which is brought to you by Clear. Clear makes travel safer and easier. Become a member of Clear and you'll enjoy frictionless journeys when you use Clear's home to gate feature, which lets you know exactly the best time to leave for the airport. Plus, Clear's signature experience helps you move seamlessly through airport security. Where will you go? Get back out there with Clear. And we have a special offer to Airlines Confidential listeners. Visit clearme.com and you'll receive two free months, including up to three of your family members. Just use the promo code Airlines Confidential. That's valid through July 1st of this year. That's clearme.com, promo code Airlines Confidential. The Airlines Confidential podcast is now available on Apple. Google, iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and many more. Use your favorite podcasting app with just one click at airlinesconfidential.com. 
So as we get to the airline's confidential listener mailbag, I'm going to pull out just one of the many questions we got about Avalo Airlines. And this is from Spencer in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hey, Ben and Chris, I have a question about Avalo Airlines. I know that they recently announced their new planned routes and they are all out of Burbank initially. I was recently flying out of my home airport of Indianapolis, parens, undeniably the best airport in the country, uh, according to Spencer. Um, and across the runway by a Republic Airlines maintenance hangar, I saw an Avalo plane. I even looked up their livery and confirmed with my boyfriend that it was indeed an Avalo Airlines plane. My question is, what were they doing across the country in Indianapolis? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the good work on the great show. Well, this is a good question, Chris. And Spencer, I'm not exactly sure, but I have a good hunch. There's a company called AAR, which is an MRO. We talked about going to the MRO conference, a maintenance and repair and operations place. And they operate a really large maintenance facility in Indianapolis. In fact, it's the former maintenance facility that United Airlines used to operate there. When United went into bankruptcy after 9-11, they closed that maintenance facility. AAR bought the physical plant there and set up their own outsourced operation there. So I don't know this to be true, but I'm betting if there was an Avalo airplane there, it got painted at that facility, or maybe it was having some maintenance done on that facility in that facility before it flew out to Burbank. I'm guessing that Avalo has a deal with AAR to do work for them. And maybe the livery you saw had just been painted the day before or something like that. I'm guessing that's why the plane was in Indianapolis. But there may be a listener out there who knows the real reason if that's not the reason. But to me, that's what makes the most sense. Yeah, I think people forget uh, there's a very significant, if you will, back of the house aviation business in Indianapolis away from the airport with the maintenance center, Republic's headquarters, uh, the FedEx, a very large uh, sorting and, and airline operating facilities. So they've got a, a big thing going with lots of airlines flying in and out of there that uh, never touch a passenger. You know, when I back a long time ago, Chris, when I worked for Taka Airlines, we did what's called an ACMI. Listeners, probably, many listeners probably know what that is, but it's a leasing operation where you basically sometimes called a wet lease, where you sell your flying services, including your pilots and your airplane and things like that, to fly for you for some period of time. And I was working for Taka Airlines in Central America, and they were doing services that, that Air New Zealand had hired them to do to fly from New Zealand to Australia. So there were Taka airplanes from Central America with Taka pilots being dispatched from El Salvador flying the Trans-Tasman. And I'm sure some people there were saying, that plane's lost <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but in this industry, crazy things like that happen. And with Avalo being a new airline, I bet that was just a plane getting some touch-ups before it starts its maiden flights in Burbank. And Chris, this one's more of a comment or a suggestion than a question, but it lines up with our earlier discussion about the federal mask mandate. This one's from Jake in Chicago. Hey guys, I'm a flight attendant for one of the big four, and on your show a week or two ago, I remember someone complaining about a passenger not wearing their mask on a flight, and the crew either didn't notice it or failed to say something. I wanted other listeners to know that you don't have to just sit by if they see something. Just like at the airport, they keep repeating, if you see something, say something. 
Well, I want to encourage anyone to report to the FAA through their Consumer Protection Division. This will not only hold airlines accountable, but importantly, improve our current processes for mass compliance. Thanks for all you guys do. Fly safe and fly healthy. So I like Jay's idea, but I'm going to go a little further. And when you're flying and you see that the cabin crew doing a great job of enforcing, make that comment too. I mean, submit that comment to the airline directly. You can easily do that through the app or online and do the same to DOT and FAA, but call it out when it's enforced and, and properly maintained and you feel safe and let the airline know that they're crews doing a great job, but also when you see it's not working well, like Jake said, call it out. I think that helps with uh, keeping everyone on their toes to keep this uh, policy in place. Well, and a simple thank you to the flight attendants when you're getting off the plane, when you see that can help too. (laughs) And they'll, they'll feel right then they did the right thing, even though they know they did the right thing. Yep, exactly. Well, we'll be right back with a question about the Delta LATAM deal. But first, we want to remind our listeners that Seabury Capital Group supports our podcast and is a specialty financing and investment banking firm with more than 25 years of experience in aviation, aerospace, financial services, and technology. Explore their expertise and global reach at seaburycapital.com. So Ben, the final question this week is from Adriana in Santiago, Chile. Gentlemen, I work in the airport financing sector in Chile. Going back to 2019, it was very big news when LATAM announced it was leaving the One World Alliance and teaming up with Delta. I realize that the past year has had the distraction of the pandemic, but many of us are wondering if this was as big of a deal as it was made out to be at the time two years ago. Would appreciate your thoughts. That's a great question, Adriana. And my sense is that it was a big deal and will still be a big deal as things come back. That deal did a couple of things in sort of the North and South America aviation environment. First of all, it took LATAM, which is the largest single airline in Latin America, and it moved them from, you know, the One World Alliance with American and BA into SkyTeam. And that was huge for many, many, many years, going back to Eastern Airlines days when American first bought a lot of Eastern's authorities from Miami into Latin America, American has been the dominant U.S. airline to South America. And their partnership with LATAM strengthened that even more by teaming up with one of the bigger airlines there. Delta has been growing in South America for many years, adding many of the same cities that American flies out of Miami from Dallas. And with the power of that connecting hub has done well with that in both Central and South America. And when they moved LATAM over, it was a sense that Delta was really making a play to either match or maybe even beat American in South America. When you think about it, the traffic from Latin America, it goes a lot of places, but the single biggest place it goes is Miami. And the one thing that Delta was missing from its portfolio was nonstop service into Miami from a number of cities, but LATAM does that. So by giving Delta and Delta's frequent fire program and their, you know, their marketing programs, Nonstop access into Miami through LATAM and through the rest of the world, through the second largest airport in the world, Atlanta, (laughs) Um, 
I think it made a huge step for Delta in how they compete. And another risk for American Airlines as to what is the future of Miami and will Miami be as strong as it has been for the last number of decades? So, Adriana, I wouldn't worry if you were worried about this. I think it's an important deal. LATAM is in bankruptcy right now. When airlines are in bankruptcy, everything's kind of up in the air and such. But I would be very surprised if when they reemerge from bankruptcy, that they don't reaffirm their commitment to the Sky Team Alliance and their partner with Delta. And in a couple of years from now, when we're talking about COVID in the past tense, I think LATAM and Delta teaming up is going to be a very important big deal between the U.S. and Latin America. Yeah, it seems like Americans taking advantage a little bit of the LATAM bankruptcy and making a few incursions with, you know, as people are moving around aircraft this past year, they're kind of getting a little daring once in a while with some new routes into South America. But um, like you said, this has been an unusual year. And I think the better measurements kind of maybe be 2023, 2022. What's this alliance doing to the doing the the mix. Airlines Confidential welcomes your feedback, comments, and questions. Our phone number where you can leave a comment or question is 202-964-0177, or you can email us at questions at airlinesconfidential.com, or visit our website at airlinesconfidential.com and follow the prompts. We're available on all the major podcast platforms, and you can even ask Amazon Alexa or Google Assist to turn us on. Just say... Play the Airlines Confidential podcast. We've got this week's Finer Wine coming up. And we'd also like to thank Pratt & Whitney, a world leader in the design, manufacture, and service of aircraft and helicopter engines and auxiliary power units. The Pratt & Whitney GTF engine is driving the next generation of more sustainable travel. This revolutionary geared turbofan engine is allowing airlines and airports to open new routes and fly more people farther and with less fuel and much lower noise. Learn more at pwgtf.com. Ben, you can take this finer wine and it's from Maria in San Francisco. I booked a vacation package through Travelocity and in this case, you didn't have the option to choose an airline. The departure was from San Francisco making a stopover at the Denver airport and then from there to Buffalo, New York. I was on Frontier going there and my complaint is if the flight is long, I do not recommend this airline. Their seats are uncomfortable. I'm a petite lady, but I was still uncomfortable and got back pain. Another thing, they'd charge you for everything, including the water. I would not recommend this airline unless your flight time is just one hour. Fortunately, the return flight was on a different airline. I'm chuckling at this one, Chris. You know, one of the things I've heard from a lot of people in the industry is that there just seem to be a lot of new flyers on airplanes now. And It would be maybe some people who just haven't flown in a long time or haven't flown an ultra low cost carrier and would still be surprised that they had to pay for their water on board, even though those same people buy a bottle of water in the airport once in a while, I'm sure too. I think this is a wine. And the reason this is a wine is because, Maria, you chose a package through Travelocity knowing that you didn't know the airline you were going to fly on. So if you're if this complaint was really a public service message to say, I was booked on Frontier and you should all know maybe you shouldn't fly them again, then maybe that was a nice thing to do. But to complain about the airline that Travelocity picked for you when you gave Travelocity the right to pick the airline for you, 
just doesn't seem right for me. I'm glad you had a better flight going back. Your opinion on Frontier was based on one flight, but that's what a ULCC is. If you fly a Velo or Spirit, you're going to see the same kind of thing. Maybe that would be a surprise. But in my sense, given that you knew you were buying without knowing the airline, so it's really kind of tough to complain about the airline Travelocity pick for you. And Maria, um, as we've talked about, Frontier's got more comfortable seats coming, so give them another chance. So that That's a really good point. You know, ultra low cost airlines maybe seem uncomfortable to some people because they put a lot of seats in the airplane, but they don't go out of their way to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's a wrap for this week's show. I want to thank you for listening and also give you my shout out for the week which may sound a little redundant from the show, but my shout out goes to Andrew Levy specifically, the president, founder, and CEO of Avalo Airlines. Andrew's a really great guy. He did a great job at Allegiant. He's fun to talk to. He knows this business really well, and it's really hard to start a new airline. And the fact that he was able to get funding, start this airline, and get it going this week when we're not even out of COVID, I think is an amazing Herculean feat. So my shout out goes, Andrew, Godspeed. Good luck with Avalo. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, maybe we can have Andrew on and he can tell us how to pronounce that name right uh, moving forward too. It'd be great to get his uh, tales of getting this airline up and running during the pandemic. Uh, my Consider shout out an is, invite, Andrew. <laughs> there we go. Uh, my shout out is a sad but certainly well-deserved one. Um, this past week, we lost Bob Francis, the former vice chair of the NTSB and a longtime aviation safety expert and advocate. Bob most notably led the very difficult investigations into the ValueJet 592 and TWA 800 accidents, and he did so with impeccable professionalism. Our best to Bob's family and his many colleagues who admired him. And with that, thanks for joining us. We look forward to having you back here next week and bring a friend. This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.